0: Online. My name is Kathy, I'm going to be our online host for today. If it's your first time here, we would love to get to know you better, so please text NEW to 604-285-5770 or visit my info and we will mail you your very own Thrive Stands to water bottle. Parents, don't forget to go to my 530 slash ThriveKids to access the Thrive Kids curriculum. There you can find the worship video, lesson video, resource sheet that you can download print and do with your kids, and there's going to be Zoom classes every Sunday from between 10.45 to 11.15 a.m. We love to see all your beautiful faces and take a selfie of yourself tuning into today and post it on your social media using hashtag ThriveChurchOnline. Are you ready for the grand finale message of the Rise Up and Wise Up message series from Pastor JB? I hope you are as excited as I am. I'm going to pass the time over to Pastor JB and I'll see you all later.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thrive Church. My name is JB. I'm one of the pastors here at Thrive, and I want to welcome you to an amazing Sunday here at Thrive Church. Whether you're visiting us on site, it's so good to have you here, or you're visiting us online, it is so good to have you here. In fact, we want to extend a special welcome to all of our first-time guests today. If this is your first time here, whether you're visiting us on site or online, you're what we call our VIP, and we especially want to welcome you. And in fact, just to say thank you so much for spending a little bit of your Sunday with us today. We've got a special gift to give to you. It's your very own stainless steel Thrive Church water bottle that we'd love to send to you. If you're visiting us on site, it'll be available at the Welcome Center just outside these doors at the end of the service. If you are visiting us online, go to mythrive.info, press the button that says New to Thrive. We'd love to send straight to your door your very own Thrive Church water bottle. Can we give all of our VIPs, our first-time guests, a big hand and a big shout in this place together? Can we welcome to the house of God today? so good to have you here. In fact, we've got a saying here at Thrive, which is that welcome is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so with that in mind, would you take a moment to welcome one another to church today? If you're visiting us on site, would you go around the room and find people you have not met, never said hi to before? Would you give them an air high five or an air hug and just say, it's so good to have you here? If you're visiting us online, would you go to your chat room, welcome the people there. If you're sitting beside someone watching the service together, would you give them a hug or a, you know a handshake or a high five and just say, I'm so glad you're here. Let's welcome one another house of God today. You guys are an awesome church. It's always a joy to spend time with you. And we can't wait for what's happening next Sunday, September 19. Because you know what's happening September 19? Next Sunday, it's Kickoff Sunday. And on Kickoff Sunday, we're starting a brand new year together here at Thrive Church. We plan our year according to the school calendar. And next week, we're kicking off a brand new year. I cannot wait. I can't wait to unveil to all of you the theme for our new year that's going to fuel so much of what we do this coming year. You don't want to miss it. Make sure you're here and invite you to bring a friend as well. Turn to him and say, I can't wait to kick off with you. I can't wait to kick off with you. Do not miss next Sunday. It is going to be amazing. Well, today is also an amazing day to be together, uh, and I'm going to invite you right now to grab your Bibles as we get into the message today. Maybe yours is a paper Bible like mine. Maybe yours is a phone you download the Bible into. Either way is cool. This is just a fun way for us to get our hearts ready for the message. If you didn't bring a Bible, why don't you do this? As other people hold up their Bible in the air, would you point to the Bible of someone near you? This is you know no magic to it. This is just a fun way to get our hearts ready today, and so we're going to do this together with you say out loud with me right now. Let's say it together right now. We're gonna say, this is my Bible, it is God's word. I am what it says I am, I have what it says I have, I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's word can come in and change my life and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. So excited to bring the message to all of you today. We are finishing up today a series we've been doing here at Thrive called Rise Up and Wise Up. Everyone say, rise up and wise up. And in this series called Rise Up and Wise Up, we've been looking at the powerful book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. And the whole focus of the series is how do we gain hope and wisdom for our lives through the book of Proverbs? Because the book of Proverbs is all about gaining wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is not just book smarts. It's not just about being academically you know, very successful. It's not about being very learned in your own particular profession or field of study because you can have all those things and still lack wisdom because wisdom is about real life decision-making. Wisdom is about about how you relate to people. It's about knowing when to say, what to say, and how to say it. You know, wisdom is about how you deal with stress, how you manage conflict, how you plan for the future, how you prioritize. And I don't know about you, but I will never lose my need for wisdom as long as I live. And maybe you're the same way as well. Would you turn in and say, I need more wisdom. I need more wisdom. That's why we've been doing the series called Wise Up or Rise Up and Wise Up. We've been going through the Book of Proverbs. We've had an amazing time in the series so far. And if you've enjoyed the series, if you've benefited from the series, we would love it if you'd share it with others. In fact, I was you know uh, going on a run the other day, and as I was going on a run, I was getting a bit distracted because I saw this other person walking in the opposite direction, and they were holding an ice cream cone, <laughs> and they were eating the ice cream cone. And I was like, Oh my goodness, that looks really good. That person didn't say anything to me, that person didn't do anything to me, all they did was enjoy their ice cream cone as I walked past them and thought to myself, oh my goodness, I need to look for ice cream right now. <laughs> and in the same way, if you've enjoyed our time here at Thrive, if you enjoyed our time in Rise Up and Wise Up the series, we would love it if you would you know, even just like a post or share a review or do something to show that you enjoyed it because in, ju- in just doing that, without saying anyone else to anyone, you are making a difference in other people's lives. You're actually leading people to Jesus in the process. If you believe it, say amen. Especially as we get ready for kickoff Sunday, let's do what I call put up the lights. Not just at Christmas time, but during the year, especially as we begin a brand new year, let's put up the lights. You know, go onto our Facebook page, our our Instagram account, our YouTube channel. Make sure you like whatever you see there so that we can show the world just how united we are and that God is at work here at Thrive Church because there are so many more people that we believe we want to reach with the love and the hope that we have in Jesus. Turn your neighbor and say the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. So we've had an amazing time in this series, and today I have the benefit and the privilege and the joy of sharing with you the final episode of the series called "Rise Up and Wise Up." Are you guys ready for the final episode of "Rise Up and Wise Up"? Are you guys ready to go? Here we go. We're going to look at Proverbs twenty-four. Uh, verse 15 and 16. This is quite possibly my favorite verse in all of Proverbs. And we're going to end with this verse today on the final episode of Rise Up and Wise Up. Read it with me together right now. It says, Do not lurk like a thief near the house of the righteous, do not plunder their dwelling place. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. You know, one of the things I love about the Bible is that sometimes there's a bit of trash talking in the Bible. <laughs> and this verse, the, the author of this verse is actually in a way trash talking thieves and and, and and wicked people and saying, hey, don't lurk like a thief against a righteous person's house. For though the righteous fall seven times, verse 16, they rise again. Would you underline those words? Though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. See, today we're talking about getting up after a fall. And see, Speaking of failing and speaking of falling, have you noticed this? I, I've noticed this because maybe I've got some young kids. And so, you know, I, I do a lot of nursery rhymes with our, our younger one. And, you know, did you, do you know your nursery rhymes in English? Do you guys know your nursery rhymes? There's so many nursery rhymes out there that I found this is that there's so many nursery rhymes in English that for some reason talk about people experiencing a fall. In, in some cases, a violent fall. In some cases, a tragic fall. Let me start with Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, all right? All the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together. Again, it's talking about a fall. Here's another one. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down, broke his crown, and Jill came tumbling after. It's all about falling. What's going on? Here's another one. Rock-a-bye, baby, on the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will when the bow breaks, the cradle will fall and down will come baby cradle and all. Are you kidding me? Is that the image that we sing to kids before they go to sleep? If I'm a baby and I could actually understand what the lullaby is saying, I'd be like, oh my goodness, I never want to go to sleep again. Like, that is scary, man. London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling. Why do so many nursery rhymes in English have to do with falling in some kind of devastating way? You see, here's the thing. Here in, in our society, for some reason, we have no problem singing about and teaching our kids about falling down. But what we really need to teach our kids and what we really need to learn for ourselves is how to get up after a fall. And see, that's what we're talking about today. Today, the message I'm here to share with you is called, How the Wise Rise Again. How the wise rise again. In this final message of rise up and wise up, we're talking about how the wise rise again. And that's because each and every one of us are going to experience a fall at some point in life. Often, many times, whether it's in your relationships or it's in your career or it's in your ministry or it's in your health or the health of someone you love or in pursuit of a dream, we all experience falls. We all experience failure. The question is not if you do, the question is when you do. Experience failure, and the question is, how do you deal with it when it comes? And see, as as common as inevitable as falling and failing is, you know, most people grow up not learning how to deal with failure well. You know, when you're in high school, I don't remember any class called Failure 101 and how to fail. You know, in in, in, in UBC or SF or whatever school you went to for college or university, I don't think there's a faculty of failure where you can major in failure management. Oh, what, what faculty? Oh, I'm in the faculty of failure. Yeah, uh, and. And what do you, what do you study? Oh, I, I study, you know, you know, basically how to fail and, and, and see we, we, we don't talk about that. And yet there are things, there are few things more important in life than learning to get up after a fall. And see, is there a fall that you need to be getting up from today? Is there a fall that you are recovering from even today? See, we all have different things that we need to get up from. For some of you, it's getting up from a second dose vaccine of COVID. You're like, oh my goodness, that second dose. Oh my goodness. That one really floored me. I really got to get up from that. That was really tough. Or maybe there's a relationship in your life that has fallen off the tracks. And you're like, how do I get this back together again? Maybe you said something last night, you did something today that makes you kind of feel, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that. And you're living with some regret because of it. Maybe you've been haunted by a past setback in your life. Maybe a hurt in your life and you fear going through the same thing again. You're still trying to get up from that past memory. Maybe your attitude has taken a bit of a fall. Is that, you know, you used to be pretty, you know, joyful, pretty positive, but lately you're just really negative. You're complaining a lot. You know, maybe you lost your business. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you pursued a dream. You tried really hard, but it didn't happen the way you wanted it to. Maybe you lost someone you love. See, we all experience falls in life from time to time. And what matters is how you get up from that fall. In, in fact, that's the difference between a wise person and a foolish person. The, the difference between a wise person and a foolish person is not that, you know, one never goes through failure and never experiences falls. The other one is always failing and always falling. No, the fact is both wise people and foolish people go through failure. They all encounter falls. The question is how they, the, the difference is how they view failure. The difference is how they get up from that fall. The difference is how they deal with that fall when it comes. And so what is the wise way to deal with a fall? What's a wise way to deal with failure? Let's talk first about the foolish way to do so. See, how do foolish people deal with failure? Here, let me give you four unhealthy ways to deal with failure. And my question for you is, do you relate to any one of these? Four unhealthy ways we deal with failure. Number one, unhealthy way of dealing with it. Number one is play the blame game. Some people, they deal with failure by simply blaming other people for the failure. Rather than taking any ownership of what happened, taking responsibility for at least their part, they just say, oh, it's your fault. That's what happens because you know, you're know you dumb because you're this, you're that. And we, we, we say all those kind of things. We play the blame game as a result. That's one unhealthy way to deal with failure. Another one is this. We ignore the failure. We deny the failure. We repeat the failure. Has that ever happened before? Is that instead of acknowledging what happened, instead of learning from what happened, we pretend as if nothing happened. And we just keep on going. And as a result, we often end up repeating the same mistake and experiencing the same fall over again in just a different version with a different person or a different situation. Has that happened to you before? That's the second unhealthy way to deal with failure. Another one is you know internalizing the failure. Is that we don't, you know, taking ownership of the failure is important, but you don't want to internalize the failure. What does it mean to internalize the failure? To internalize the failure means that you equate your worth with the failure. You equate how much you're worth with what happened to you. And so therefore you conclude, I'm the failure. I'm worthless. I'm, you know, I don't matter. And so you sometimes, you know, kids who go through a parent's divorce, when their parents split up, they're like, you know, it's my fault. I'm the one to blame. I'm the failure. You know, sometimes victims of abuse, they'll kind of get into that trap too, thinking, oh, you know, it's my fault. It's all me. It's all because of me. And I'm the failure as a result. That's called internalizing the failure. That's also another unhealthy way of dealing with failure. Do you do that? Fourth and final way we'll talk about you know, dealing with un- failure in an unhealthy way is you fear failure, and because of that, you give up. See, because of some failure that happened in your past, you think that that's like a death sentence for the rest of your life, is that you live the rest of your life expecting failure to happen to you again. And so you don't say yes to new opportunities, you shy away from new challenges, you expect the worst to happen, all because of your fear of failing. And so you've effectively thrown in the towel and given up even before the game is over. See, that's another very unhealthy way to deal with failure. And the fact is, if we have to be honest with, we probably can relate to at least one of these unhealthy ways that we deal with failure before. But what's the healthy way to deal with failure? How do the wise rise again? Let me share with you four ways that wise people rise again. These are four healthy ways to deal with failure. And if you could use some help in this area, I encourage you to take some good notes today. Number one, if you want to rise up from a fall, make sure you give it time. Give it time. Turn your neighbor and say, give it time. See, don't get me wrong. With a lot of falls, sometimes the best thing to do is get right back up and keep on going. You don't dwell on it. You just laugh it off and you move on. With a lot of falls, little things, little falls, we just that's exactly what we do. No big deal. Let's just move on. And that that, I think, for a lot of times is the way that we should approach it. But when you've experienced a really serious fall, Maybe it's the end of a relationship. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe you're battling something like depression right now. Sometimes you can't just move on. Sometimes what you need is time to heal, time to grieve, time to mourn, time to process, time to learn from what happened. And it's one of those times when you're when you're going through a major fall in that season, sometimes you don't need to do anything fantastic or flashy. Sometimes just hanging on and getting through the day is a victory in and of itself. And see, in those cases, trying to move on right away from that major fall could actually do more harm than good. It could actually hurt you and hurt the people around you if you don't give it time. Turn to me and say, give it time. Ecclesiastes 8, 5, and 6 says this. I don't know if you've ever seen this verse before, but it's a great one. Verse 5 says, The wise heart will know the proper time and procedure. For there is a proper time and procedure for every matter, though a man's misery weighs heavily upon him. See, in other words, it takes wisdom to know when to get right back up when you fall and wisdom to know when it's time to spend more time. And see, it's another way to put it is it takes wisdom to know when to laugh something off and when to take something more seriously, like we talked about two weeks ago. And see, when it comes to getting up after a a fall, oftentimes people will fall into two different extremes. One extreme is that they spend way too much time sulking and pity partying. I've done that before myself. You know, I, I once, you know, many, many, many years ago, I was, you know, dating this girl, and I made a decision to break up with this girl. And it took me a good maybe nine, ten months just to get over it, just to get over the guilt of wasting this girl's time, to get over the shame of oh, I, I always wanted my first girlfriend to be the one I married. Oh, my dream is shattered. Oh, why me? Oh, and you know, and like my friends would be, you know, trying to comfort me and go, "Come on, dude, get over it now. It's okay. It's already been nine months. She's moved on. Why can't you move on?" And and I thank God. For those friends because it's here's the thing, I was not able to move on. I just kept on clinging to this box of letters that this this person wrote to me. I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Oh, I'm such a bad person. I just couldn't get up from the fall. I was like, I've fallen. I can't get up. I don't know what to do. And see, here's the thing. It wasn't until I received a call from that same girl telling me she's actually dating someone new that I finally realized, oh my goodness, I really need to move on. And I was like, oh man. And so shortly after I received that call, I took that box of letters and I finally threw it into the dumpster. I'm like, it's time to move on. God bless that girl, but I need to move on. See, that's one extreme is that we just take way too much time sulking, pity partying. That's the one extreme. Have you ever done that before? The other extreme on the other end is to not give yourself any time, any time whatsoever to recover, to process, to reflect, to heal, to grieve, to learn from that fall. And that's not healthy either. You know, I've got, and this is a very extreme example, but it's true. My friend, lost her brother recently in this past couple of years and their dad acted as if nothing happened. Their dad was like, you know what, what's wrong with you guys? Let's just move on. All right. Let's just move on. It's over. we can't change anything. Let's just move on. And the rest of the family is grieving. They're, they're, they're heartbroken. They're devastated. They want their dad to grieve with them, but he just refuses to grieve with them. He just, he just keeps on, you know, keep on pretending as if nothing has happened, trying to act as normal as he possibly can. And in being emotionally unavailable to his family, he was hurting both himself and his family in the process. It's because with big faults, you need time to grieve you need time to heal. With big falls, you need time to process your emotions. That's why, let me talk to some parents in this place. Parents, when your kids experience a fall, may you have the wisdom to know when to help them laugh it off and when to help them to grieve may you have the wisdom to know when to, you know, just kind of encourage them, say, you hey, know, no big deal, it's okay, it's alright, that's alright, just keep on going, or, it, you know, it's a time, may you have the wisdom to say, okay, you know what, let's, I, I, this is tough, let's grieve together, let's cry together about it, don't be someone who, with every kind of fall, no matter how big or small, just snap out of it already, no big deal, just keep on going, don't, don't, don't worry, don't worry, no big deal, just give up. no matter how big it is, you say that, that's actually damaging to the relationship, it's damaging to that kid's emotions, instead, acknowledge how they're feeling. Help them be emotionally aware because it's going to help them so much in the process. If you believe it, say amen. So you want to give it time. You don't want to rush it, but you don't want to dawdle, i.e. procrastinate. You want to give it time. But how many of us know that time is not enough? See, there's that phrase, you know, time heals all wounds. Well, you got to know this. Does time heal all wounds? No. Time doesn't heal all wounds. Some wounds can fester and even get bigger over time if you don't do anything about it. What matters is what you do with time. And that's why I wanna share with you three more ways that wise people rise again. And this is where you're gonna really see the difference between how wise people and foolish people deal with failure and get up from a fall. Write this down, number two. Remember that God is not done with your story. Remember that God is not done with your story. See, wise people remember that God is still writing a greater story even after the fall. You know, I've shared with you, you, know, so many different failures in my life. In fact, one of my challenges for myself every week is to ask myself: Have I shared a failure in my life with all of you? Have I, you know, shared, a, you know, a sin that I need to, you know, confess, or have I shared, you know, like a struggle that I go through, so that you know that I'm I'm a real person just like you. I'm I'm human just like you. I, I fail and I'm weak and all because because we it's the hero in our story is not ourselves. It's Jesus. And see, I've shared with you so many types of failures I've gone through. You know, you know I, I remember like on a couple occasions as a kid I was. Has to get on a stage and play piano or rap, believe it or not. And I remember blanking out and having no idea what I was going to do. And I'm frozen on the stage and someone has to come up to me and go, are you okay? Can, do you need a reminder of what you're here to do? And, and this happened to me not just once, but over and over on stage. And here I'm on a stage right now. You know, and, you know I, I remember the first girl I ever asked to go out with me, you know what she said? No. She said no. She's like, no, forget it. I'm not she she hung up. It's like, you know, and, and you know, I was like thirteen years old. I was like, oh and, and another one, you know, I, I applied to SFU, never heard back from SFU. You know, at the end of high school, I was like, okay, UBC, SFU, let me try to play SFU, and UBC, never heard back from the SFU, I I always hoped that the first girl that I officially dated would end up being the one I marry. That obviously wasn't the case. Uh, You know, the first midterm I took in law school, I totally failed and bombed that midterm. I still remember that. Uh, You know, during my second year of law school, I applied to about 30 law firms uh, for a summer job. Not a single one took me in. I was shocked. I'm like, oh my goodness, what's wrong with me? You know, I I remember being let go from my first job, and I've shared that with you guys before. You know, when, when we first started worship services here at Thrive, do you know there would be sometimes more people on the stage than there were in the crowd? Do you know that? Yeah, and, and yeah, that was a little embarrassing, but that, that, that's how we were. And you know, when, when we were a church of about maybe 100 people, I remember, we decided to make a move out to East Richmond and our attendance started to go down to about 50 people. I'm like, oh my goodness, what have I done? And see, here's the thing. When we, when we see any of these things in isolation, any of these situations may have seemed like a failure. But looking back, I can say about every single one of those situations, it was part of a bigger story that God was writing. And that with every single one of those failures that I mentioned, there was a backstory. Is that the failure planted seeds for something greater? Is that that one situation might've not worked out the way I hoped or planned, but that failed situation in it, there was an idea to uncover. There was a lesson to remember. There was a skill I learned. There was a character trait to develop that has helped me to this day and that God truly did write a greater story through it all. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Turn your savior and say, God is not done with your story. God is not done with your story. Look at Philippians 1 6, it says this. It says, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is writing a greater story with your life. And that's why even in your biggest falls, your biggest failures, God is still working for good in all things. He works together for good. See, instead of seeing that fall as a gravestone to mark your death, you want to see that fall as a stepping stone to your destiny. See, maybe you've been haunted by a past setback in your life or it's, you know, it's something where you, 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 you fell and you now fear going through the same thing again. You need to know this today is that even if it feels like the same situation as last time, you're not the same person anymore. Is that time has passed, God has been with you, you're still standing, you're still here, you're stronger, you're wiser, hopefully, as a result. And so it doesn't have to be the same result again, you are stronger, and God is writing a greater story. If you believe that, say amen. God is writing a greater story. Number three, how do wise people rise again? Number three, they check their definition of failure. And that's number three, check your definition of failure. See First Thessalonians, and we've been looking at First Thessalonians together as a church. We just finished that recently, going through the book, that book, you know, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We studied that book. Let me look at verse or chapter two of First Thessalonians, really, really quick with you right now. Read it with me. One, two, one, two, 3. It says, "You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure." You know how badly we'd been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Go back to verse 1 and if you have it in front of you, you can underline it. You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. See what's going on. See, Paul, he's a church planter. He's a missionary. He used to be the most anti-Christian guy, but he encounters Jesus in a personal, powerful way. It changes his life. He becomes one of the most prolific preachers of the gospel who's ever existed. And Paul, he is taking his team to a place called Thessalonica. It's a port city like Vancouver. And he wants to bring the gospel there. He wants to preach about Jesus to the people there. Let them know about Jesus. And when he gets there, he faces a tremendous amount of opposition. A tremendous amount of persecution meets him when he's at Thessalonica. Such that for their own safety, they, the, the, the team there decides, we need to get out of Thessalonica, at least for the time being. And a lot of Paul's critics were like, ah, look at Paul. Oh, what a failure. He went in Thessalonica and he failed man. He went in, he couldn't stand anymore. He came out again. What a failure. And what Paul's doing, he's responding to those critics and saying, no, our visit was not a failure. See, he, he, he's saying, you know what, first off, you know, when we went to Thessalonica, we just come back from a place called Philippi, where we experienced tremendous persecution. And it was just the fact that we had the courage to go to Thessalonica, to preach the gospel again, that in itself is a victory, is what he's saying. It wasn't a failure. The second thing he says is, well, look at the fruit of our work. People came to Christ. A church was started there in Thessalonica that still gathers to this day. Our visit wasn't a failure. See, what's Paul doing? Paul is refusing to be controlled by other people's wrong definitions of failure. And see, you and I need to be doing the same. Sometimes our biggest problem is the way we define success and failure. Sometimes the way we define success and failure, we do it in such an unhealthy, unrealistic, you know, way that, that we actually place unnecessary burden and unfair expectations on ourselves or on other people. I remember you know early on when Thrive first started, and at the time it was like, like 90% high school students, and, and we you know reaching out to high school students, and I remember I was was Oh, you gotta talk to this teenager, he's really depressed right now. Oh, like and, and he needs someone to talk to us. Okay, so I, I call him. I call him he's like he's crying like, uh, JB can you please pray for my studies uh. I'm like what's wrong what's wrong it's i failed i failed i'm like what you failed oh like at an exam yeah at an exam did you ask to maybe do a makeup exam i already asked he's not going to let me do a makeup exam I'm like oh i'm so sorry to hear that what what mark did you get if you're asking oh i got 85% uh that's when I learned the term Asian fail, right? Because it's like, oh my goodness, why are we even here? 85%, my goodness. See, how much unnecessary frustration, anxiety, and fear do we put ourselves through and others through as well? All because we have the wrong definition of success and failure. See, as a result, we make these wrong judgment about our, judgments about ourselves and about other people as well. And let me, let me put it to you this way. Some of the most successful people that you will see in heaven you will never have heard of on earth. Some of the most successful people that you will see in heaven, you will have never heard of. You don't know their name. You will never hear their name for as long as you live on the earth, but you will see them in heaven. At the same time, the opposite is true. Some of the most successful people you hear of on earth, you actually won't see of in heaven. It's true. It's because the way that God measures success is just different from the way that the world measures success. And see, do you know what God's definition of success is? Let me give it to you right now. According to God, success is doing the best you can with all that God has given to you. And so instead of letting your failures redefine you, maybe it's time you redefine failure. See, failure is not trying and not making it. Failure is not trying at all. Failure is not missing first place. Failure is not giving your best. See, failure is not making a mistake. Failure is not learning from that mistake. See, failure is not when things don't go the way I plan. So, no, that's not failure. Failure is when things go, you know, things change and I don't change with it. When things change and I don't adjust and I don't adapt and I don't, and that's what failure is. Failure is not losing the game. Failure is you not leaving it all on the floor before the game is over. Failure is not, you know, I don't have the talents. I don't have the looks. I don't have the opportunities that that person has. No, failure is not appreciating and using what God has given to you. That's what failure is. See, failure is not not pleasing everybody. Failure is not living to please God. Failure is not falling. Failure is falling and refusing to get up again. See, we gotta redefine failure. We gotta redefine it to mean something different from what you fear. Because when you redefine failure to mean something that you don't fear anymore, you can try without being so afraid. See, some of you, you gotta redefine failure, not just for yourselves, but for your kids or for your team, because as long as you have this unhealthy or wrong view of what success and failure are, it's going to have these, you're going to place a burden on yourself and the people around you in ways that are not healthy. But if you would have the right view of success and the right view of failure, if you would redefine it in a healthy way, it'll help you so much more to get up from a fall. Does that make sense in this place? Amen. Turn your and say, I got to redefine failure. You ought to check your definition of failure. Finally, last point, and we're going to close. Number four, realize that in Jesus Christ, there is resurrection power for you. Realize that in Jesus Christ, there is resurrection power for you. Look at Proverbs 24, 15 and 16 with me again. What does it say? It says, do not lurk like a thief near the house of the righteous. Do not plunder their dwelling place. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again but one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. You know, you might be looking at this and wondering, why seven? Why seven times? Why not six? Why not two? Why not 10? Why not a hundred? Why seven? Because you got to understand this, in the Bible, seven refers to completion. And falling seven times is not just about falling seven times, but falling seven times is representative of a complete and total failure. Like the worst failure you can think of, that's the kind of failure we're talking about today. And Proverbs 24, 15, 16 is saying this, that even when you experience complete and total failure in your life, if you are a righteous person, you will rise again. You will get up again. And why is Proverbs so sure about that? See, it's because you need to understand what Proverbs means by a righteous person. See, if a righteous person is guaranteed to get up again from a fall, then we will be wise to learn what it means to be righteous. Amen? And so let's learn about what it means to be righteous right now. In the Bible, a righteous person is someone who meets God's standards perfectly. That's what a righteous person is. Righteousness equals perfect obedience to God's commands. And see, if you and I had to be honest with ourselves, the fact is, according to that definition, none of us is righteous. None of us is righteous, not even one. We are all unrighteous. We are all sinners. We all have fallen short of God's standard. And so our unrighteousness, in fact, separates us from God, such that we can't have anything to do with God. Proverbs 20, verse 9 says this, it says, who can say, I've kept my heart pure. I'm clean and without sin. None of us can. None of us is righteous. But the great news of the Bible is this, but because God loved us and didn't want to be apart from us, though our wages, the wages of our sin is death, the consequence of our unrighteousness is that we'd be separated from God forever. God did the most incredible thing. He sent his son, Jesus Christ for us. He sent Jesus Christ to live the perfect life that met all of God's requirements. The life that we could not live, Jesus lived on our behalf. And not only did Jesus live that life on our behalf, Jesus died on our behalf as well. He went to the cross, not because he deserved to die, but because we deserve to die. He died on the cross for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And so if you ever question your worth, if you ever wonder if you matter to anyone at all, you matter to to God. And the cross is proof positive that your, your worth is wrapped up in what God says about you, not what other people say about you. And that God's love for you isn't based on your performance, how well you perform or how much you fail, but God's love for you is based on who he is. The Bible says God is love, so much so he gave himself for us. Oh, come on, give God a big hand, a big shout for us. Praise God. Amen. In fact, Jesus, the only righteous one, died like a sinner so that he could give his righteousness to us. That's what 2 Corinthians 5:21 is talking about. Read it with me. It says, "But God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God." See, through faith in Jesus, we become righteous in God's sight, not because of things that we do, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. Notice on the cross, Jesus didn't say, "I am finished." He said, it is finished. He didn't say, I'm finished. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. No, he said, I, eh, that it is finished. The debt is paid. The work is done. Nothing needs to separate you from God anymore because he's died on the cross for your sins. You are forgiven. And only did Jesus die, but he rose again. Jesus rose to show that you can place your full trust in everything he says. Other people have started a whole bunch of different philosophies, religions, different faith movements, but Jesus is the only one who said a bunch of things about God, what happens after you die, and he came back to prove that what he said is true. You can trust in what Jesus says. Praise God. Don't you love Jesus in this place? Amen. No words can explain, no song can contain how amazing Jesus is and how he rose again. And this is the thing, one of the benefits that come to us when we trust that Jesus Christ is our savior is not only are we forgiven of our sins, not only are we called righteous and we are no longer separate from God, but we have a relationship with God through Jesus. Not only that, but God also gives to us his resurrection power. Look at Ephesians 1, 18 to 21 with me right now. What does it say? It says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. What is it saying? It's Paul saying to the to church of Ephesus? he's saying, I pray that your eyes would be open to just see how much power God has given to you and made available to you through Jesus Christ. Is that that incomparable great power that is for us who believe is like the working of the, is of the strength that he used to raise Jesus from the dead. Let me put it to you even more simply. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you as well when you trust in Jesus Christ such that you don't even have to fear death anymore. And what that means is you can go through seven-time failure, you know, total, complete failure, the most most devastating fall, even death itself. But the Bible says if you've got Jesus in your life, you are righteous and you will rise again. Amen. Oh, come on, give God a big hand, a big shout, and let's place together right now. See what's going on. Proverbs 24, 15 and 16 is pointing us to the hope we have in Jesus and the resurrection power we have in in him as well. That's what righteous people have. Again, it's not because of you are so good. Look at your resume. Oh, you're so good. You're so impressive. It's not about that. You're not good. I'm not good. God is good. And because God is good, He sent Jesus Christ for us. In him there is resurrection power. And that's why when Proverbs contrasts the righteous and the wicked, saying, you know, you know, like the wicked are overthrown, but the house of the righteous stands firm. No harm befalls the righteous, but the wicked have their fill of trouble. You know, the light of the righteous shines brightly, but the lamp of the wicked is snuffed out. You know, the righteous eat to their heart content, but the stomach of the wicked goes hungry. When it keeps on contrasting righteous versus wicked, righteous versus wicked, you gotta understand it's not just talking about you know, what happens on this earth. It's talking about what happens in eternity. It's saying that when you're righteous, you have eternal security. When you are righteous, you have the power to rise again. See, practically speaking, how do you experience this resurrection power at work in your life? Well, the way to do it is to draw near to God, to spend time with God. He is the lifter of those who fall. Psalm 145 verse 14 says, the Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. Have you fallen in some way? Well, you need to know the Lord lifts and he upholds all those who fall. And see, when you spend time with God, you give God room to allow his resurrection power to start working in your life again, no matter what kind of fall you've experienced. And see, 1 Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. You know, 20 years ago, 9-11 happened and it changed our world. And, you know, for Charlene and me, you know, 9-11, you know, hits, uh, you know, a little closer to home in some ways because we were actually in New York just right before 9-11, uh, Charlene, she was working in New York at the time, uh, just and she actually left back for her last year of university. Uh, you know, just maybe two weeks before 9/11 like happened. So, you know, she was in Boston by the time 9/11 happened. But two weeks before 9/11, she was there in New York, and so was I. We we're at we were actually eating. We had a date at the World Trade Center two weeks before 9/11 happened, and and I can remember that you know we have a picture of us looking kind of happy. But it was actually not a very happy time for us because uh, Charlene was super busy at work um and, uh, you know, she was so much, like, so occupied by work that I hardly saw her. And I, I went to New York just to visit her. I, I, I rented a room at NYU, New York University, so I could be close to her. And, and it was just really tough to spend any time because she was always cooped up in, 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 in her office. And so we hardly saw each other. She was super busy at work. And so I got to see a lot of New York all by myself. I, I, went, I went to Statue of Liberty. I went to Radio City Music Hall. I went to the Empire State Building. I went to Times Square. And that's why, I think that's actually a huge reason why Uh, I, uh, you know, am really good at taking selfies, uh, because, you know, I was trained in a school called loneliness, I I was just, you know, and I I was, you know, uh, know, and this is before smartphones and all that stuff. And and see, here's the thing, I couldn't understand why Shar had to work so much. And Shar couldn't understand why I just couldn't see the statue loaded by myself. And see, here's the thing, both of us were having doubts about whether this relationship was going to work. And in fact, during that time, we actually decided to end that relationship. We actually decided to end, we're not dating anymore. We're no longer boyfriend and girlfriend. We're, we're, we're breaking up. And remember the day we decided that. We're in my apartment and we're both crying. And we're crying and there's a song playing in the background. Um, we're playing some kind of worship music kind of thing in the background. And I can still remember the words of that song talking about don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. And, and I remember the next day, I'm like, what am I going to do? And I, and I get up and I decide to go for the longest walk that I've ever gone on. I, I think I walked, I walked about, well, not, not ever. That's kind of exaggerating. But like I, I walked about 60 blocks from, uh, you know, from where, where I was staying. I went about 60 blocks south. And like I was just walking and talking to God and praying. And the more I prayed, the more I spent time with God, the more I felt like these three words would keep, would keep coming up. Don't give 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 up. And the more I walked, I'd be thinking to myself, oh my goodness, what am I doing? Like I, I'm walking away from this amazing girl and seeing what I did, finally, I turned around and I walked 60 blocks, I actually ran 60 blocks back in the other direction. I, I, for, it started off as a walk and I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to see Char right now and I started running and running and running, 60 blocks in the other direction. I go to her, you know, her apartment, I knock on the door, she opens the door and I tell her, Char, I'm not ready to give up on this yet. Are you? And she said, no, I'm not ready to do that either. And we decided that we're going to try to work this out. And that's when our relationship fell and rose again. Eventually, Charlene, she quit her job. Praise God. (laughs) Nine months later, we got engaged. The rest is history. And see, all of us will face times when we need to rise again. No matter how hard you try, we will all fall from time to time. With little things that happen, we laugh it off. With big falls, we rise again. How do we do that? Well, we give it time. We remember that God is writing a greater story than anything we could write ourselves. We check our definition of failure and we draw near to Jesus with whom there is power to rise again. You know, maybe you've experienced a fall that still affects you today. I'm here to tell you this. God didn't make you to stay down. God made you to rise again. And today we've been learning how the the, the, the wise rise again. Isaiah chapter 40 says, even youths grow tired and weary, even young people stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Let's do that right now. Let's draw near to Jesus. You know, maybe you're here and you're new to church and you're wondering, okay, what do I do with all this? What, 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 what do I do? What next step can I take? Well, today we've been talking about getting up after a fall and Proverbs 24 tells us that the righteous may fall seven times, but they will get up again. If you're here and you realize that maybe you're not righteous, not according to God's standard, maybe according to your own standard before you thought you were righteous, but you realize today that you're not righteous, not according to God's standard. None of us are not on our own merit or our own strength. And you realize that you need God's forgiveness. Can I tell you this? If you want the benefit of Proverbs 24, 15, 16, the righteous will rise again then this next step is for you. You can pray and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You can ask God to give you his righteousness expressed through Jesus Christ crucified on the cross in exchange for our sin and our unrighteousness. And when you do that, the Bible says that God forgives you of your sins, that you are a child of God, you're a citizen of heaven, and you've got security for eternity. The best is yet to come. If that's you and you realize that you've never opened up your heart to Jesus before, maybe you've been to church before, but you've never opened up your heart to Jesus, ask Jesus to forgive your sins and to come into your life, then that's the next step for you to take. And I want to encourage you to do that even right now. What you can do is you can scan the QR code that's on your screen. It'll take you to a page, a prayer on it, on that page. And it's a simple prayer you can pray. It's not so much the words you say as much as your, the attitude of your heart, but this is a simple prayer that you can pray to ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. And so I encourage you, if you realize that you need forgiveness for your sins and you want to have the righteousness of God that only comes through what Jesus did, not through what you can do, because we can't earn it ourselves. If you want that, would you click that link that's in your chat room right now? Uh, would you go to mythought.info otherwise and, and, and and click the the button that says, I want to receive Jesus into my life. And what's going to happen? We're going to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer. And just so you're not doing it alone, I'm going to pray this prayer with you. And so I'm going to encourage those of you who need to pray that prayer, to pray it with me, to just repeat it after me. And those who prayed this prayer before, let's pray it in support of those who are praying it today for the first time. You can pray this together right now. You can say, dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust, not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer just now and you meant that prayer, then according to the Bible, you are forgiven of your sins. You are righteous in God's sight. Again, it's not anything you earned. It's what Jesus has done for us. That means you're a child of God. You are acceptable in God's sight. You are a citizen of heaven. You've got the gift of eternal life. There's resurrection power living on the inside of you and the best is yet to come. Can we give a big congratulations to those who prayed that prayer today? Praise God. In fact, we've got some gifts that we want to give to you. If you go to the bottom of that same page where you prayed that prayer, there's a link there to some gifts that we'd love to give to you, encourage you in your walk with God. We encourage you to keep coming to church because every baby needs a spiritual family. We'd love to be your family to grow up in uh, and encourage you also to get baptized. Baptism is not a graduation. Baptism is a beginning. It's a chance for you to express the, 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 the decision you made today to say, yes, I've trusted Jesus Christ as my savior. I encourage you to go to mythrive.info, click the button called baptism for more information on baptism. We'd love to help you get baptized. Finally, for those who are here and you realize that this message was for you, you realize that you need to get up from a certain fall and you want help from God to do so. If that's you at this place, why don't you respond to God right now? Why don't you lift up your hand to God? Let the height of your hands reflect how much you need him today. And I just wanna lead you in a time of prayer where you can give your burden to God. You can cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. He loves you. He didn't make you to stay down. He made you to rise again. And so with that in mind, why don't you start talking to God in your own words? Would you respond to what you've heard today? Would you respond to God? Would you talk to him right now with your heart? Give it to him with your voice. Give it to him. Don't worry about your neighbor. It doesn't concern them. This is between you and God. Don't wait for me to stop talking. Don't wait for someone else to start talking. You just start talking to God. He loves you. He's here. He's listening. He's here to help you rise from a fall. Let's all talk to God right now in this place. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Maybe you can pray this prayer with me right now and say just, Father, thank you that you are writing a greater story with my life than anything I could write myself. Please help me to have the right definition of success and failure. Thank you that with you there is power to rise again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can you give God a big hand, a big shout? Let's play together right now. Praise God. Well, that brings our series called Rise Up and Wise Up to a Close. Everyone go, Oh, yeah, I know, I know. But the fact is, we're not done with the book of Proverbs. We're going to keep on coming back to the Pro- book of Proverbs from time to time because we can never stop gaining wisdom from that book. But this series in, Pro- in Proverbs is over. But we love that if you've benefited from the series in any kind of way, we love it if you share it with others. We love it if you, you know, share you know, the posts that we find on social media uh, on the series. We love it if you, you know, give a review on our podcast or, or give a like to one of our YouTube channels. yeah, you know, we'd love it if you do that because in so doing, you lead other people to Jesus just by doing that. And so I encourage you to do that. I encourage you also to give your feedback on the series too. If you've been impacted in any kind of way by the series, we encourage you to let us know in uh, you know in that feedback form. We love hearing from you. And uh, lastly, we want to do this is we want to sing to God. God gave us his very best. It's time to give our very best back to him. And so as we sing, the band is going to play and I encourage you also to give your faithful tithes, your generous offer, Know that when we seek God's kingdom, first he adds what? He adds everything we need. And so if you call throughout church or home church, you just believe in the work that, is God, that God is doing here, thank you so much in advance for giving. Let's continue to invest in the kingdom of God. Let's give our very best to God right now. Praise God, the best is yet to come.
2: All these pieces broken and scattered in mercy gathered mended. You for all that you've done for us thank you jesus for dying on the cross for our sins thank you for saving us thank you for loving us lord we just want to give you all of our praises amen Can see the love in your eyes, laying yourself down, raising.
1: We've got a big hand, a big shout. Let's play together right now. Praise God. Next week, kickoff Sunday. You do not want to miss it. It's going to be amazing. We can't wait to kick off this brand new year with you. So mark down your calendars and make sure you're here. Invite a friend as well. Sunday, September 19. That's next Sunday. We can't wait to see you here. Let's all pray as we close off our service today. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for the reminder once again that you are the God that it's all about. You are the center of the universe, not us. Thank you, God, that it's all about you. And would you help every single person here to live for your glory this coming week. Thank you, God, that even in our biggest falls, there is hope to rise again through Jesus. And we pray for every single person here that your blessing, your comfort, your healing, your strength, your resurrection power, your wisdom, your joy, your peace, your protection, and your Holy Spirit would fill every one of them until we next meet again. We thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Could you one more time give God some praise in this place? Awesome. Praise God, that brings our service to a close, but our worship continues. Let's continue to worship God in all that we do. Praise God, we'll see you guys in small groups. Make sure you sign up for a small group. We love seeing you here at service, but you want to be connected in a small group as well, go to mythought.info to do that. And uh, praise God, we'll see you guys next week for kickoff Sunday. We love you guys, God loves you, the best is yet to come. We'll see you guys next week, everybody, take care.
0: Thank you Pastor JB for a powerful message today. It reminded me of the many failures that I've made in the past, but I'm thankful to know that God is working for good, even in my biggest failures. Alright, before I let you guys go, I have a few announcements. If it's your first time here, we would love to get to know you better, so please text NEW to 604-285-5770 or visit MyThriveInfo and we will mail you your very own Thrive Saints to Water Bottle. If you're on site at Thrive Center, you can pick one up at the Welcome Center by the exit door after service. If you prayed the prayer with Pastor J.B. earlier to receive Jesus Christ as you like today, congratulations! We have a gift package for you, and we will send you a series of videos that will help answer some questions about Christianity. Please text BELIEVE to 604-285-5770 or visit mytherinfo. And if you're on-site, you can pick up your gift at the Welcome Center after service. Now, grab your phone and mark down September 19th on your calendar app. We want to invite you to kick off the brand new ministry year from 2021 to 2022 with us next Sunday at Thrive Church Online or on site at Thrive Center at 9.30am or 11.30am. There will be safety protocols in place on site. For more information or pre-registration, visit thrivechurch.ca slash reopening. It's been an amazing two months that we get to learn from so many speakers about the wisdom from the book of Proverbs. In fact, it'd be awesome and helpful if you can share with us how God has used the Rise Up and Wise Up message series to change your perspective and to impact your life. There's a feedback form available online at mythought.info and it'd be awesome if you can spend a few minutes to share your thoughts and stories with us. We can't wait to hear from you. That's it for this week. I hope you all have a great day. Don't forget to give your tithes and offerings online at info And if you prefer to gift by cash or check, there is a black offering box by the auditorium Wall on your way out as well. Have an amazing Sunday afternoon and I'll see you all next week. Bye!